0: And welcome to episode four of Cheap Seats, the only sports podcast produced by Lake Orion High School. I got a really cool special guest on. It's actually a dad of one of our own TBW members from Lake Orion High School. It's Mr. Mason, everybody. And this Hello, is where, this is the awkward part where nobody claps, but we'll clap. As Hunter is going to admit, so um, I had everyone write down some questions for Mr. Mason
1: Um, do we want to run through those really quickly? Yeah, um, I'll go first. So you played for Pittsburgh in 2008, right? Yes, 2007
2: Um, and 2008.
1: Got you. So that was like the 2000s Pittsburgh's defense was like, you know, their top notch one, like the greats of all time. When you think about like the greatest defenses, Troy Palomalu, Harrison, what was it like playing against like Hall of Famers and like all-time greats like that. Uh,
2: I mean, it was an amazing experience um, looking back on it. Obviously, at the time, I was more concerned about doing everything I could to stay on the roster. Um, But uh, looking back on it, man, those are some of the greatest players that ever played a game. Got an opportunity to learn a lot of things from them, Um, obviously about sport and football, but also about, you know, life and and how those guys were, man, they were tremendous, tremendous people. Um, obviously, better people than they even were better um, players. So, it's really, really cool, cool opportunity and experience and something that I, you know, I'll think about the rest of my life. Gotcha, gotcha.
0: Yeah, for me, um, I'm kind of looking at a, at a different perspective. I want to look at the head coach, Mike Tomlin, who's still the head coach of the Steelers. What was it like being able to play for Mike Tomlin? And what just kind of a coach was he to the players?
2: Uh, He was a really – I got the opportunity to first end up in Pittsburgh before he got there um, under Bill Cowher. And so I was there his first year and his second year there in Pittsburgh. Um, And uh, being such a young guy, he was really, really impressive. I feel like he came in right away and made sure that he – communicated with the, uh, with the players really well because we had guys that were older than him on our team in all actuality. Uh, he was only maybe 34 at the time. And so uh, I, I, I see why the Roonies felt so so great about interviewing him because he was really a just a tremendous like motivator and orator and really great communicator. So uh it was, uh, you know, it was, it was really cool. Like, and see what he's developed into, obviously, almost what, 13 years later, um, as one of the greatest coaches, in my opinion, to, uh, to ever coach and stand on the sidelines. I mean, considering he's been there 13 years and has never had a losing season, I don't know if there's anyone that can, is comparable to that. So, uh, yeah, man, it was, it was really cool seeing him as a 34-year-old kind of come in and insert itself and take over such a big, you know, a big story program or, um, like the Steelers and run it the way he has.
0: Do you still talk to any of your teammates or any of, like, the coaches that you had? It doesn't have to be from the Steelers. It could be even from college ball. Do you still talk to any of your old teammates?
2: Uh, a few, a few. Um, now with, you know, with social media and stuff, we kind of keep in contact. Uh, via social media, all of us obviously have families and, and other careers now. Uh, no one that I played with is currently still playing with the, op- the exception of Big Ben um, in Pittsburgh, at least. And so uh, I don't talk to Ben. We weren't necessarily that close. But I had a couple of teammates that I played with in college um, at Michigan who were also there in Pittsburgh with me, and I still talk to a few of those guys. Um, in particular, I talked to Lamar Woodley probably at least twice a year.
0: So, making that leap from college to the NFL, what was the different, or what was the biggest difference, or the biggest hurdle that you had to overcome going from college ball to playing in the NFL with some of the greatest football players?
2: Um, I guess it, it, it's really just. Uh, What was the greatest hurdle? Uh, Being a high school standout and then an All-American and then going into college, being highly recruited, um, and then moving on to the NFL where I was an undrafted guy, it kind of, the whole situation was turned upside down, whereas I had to come in and really had to prove myself without anyone really having... uh, and a, a direct tie to me, per se. So, you know, I was there obviously to fill out the roster, and they had scouted me and seen me and offered me a small amount of money to come. But uh, it was nothing like, you know, what the recruitment process was like in college. And so, um, having to prove prove myself um, was a totally different thing. Every day was uh, every day was. You know, very pressure-packed, especially during um, off-season workouts and camp, because you know guys will be coming and going, and you really would never know. When you're on the back end of the roster, you really never know what day is your day. You could have a really good day, and somebody else gets hurt, and you end up on the waiver wire. So that part of it was uh, it was definitely different um, from college football.
0: Dawson or Hunter, any questions?
3: Yeah, I have a question. Wait.
0: Okay, go ahead, yeah.
3: Uh, so what was it like running out of an NFL tunnel like when you first got the dress? What, was it very overwhelming or what, what, what was that like?
2: Um, it, uh, honestly, it kind of felt the same. Um, You really don't, you're so focused on what your job is and what you have to do. Um, It's obviously exciting. It's more exciting after the game's over and you get a chance to see a family and how happy they are and eager to see you, but from college to the pros, stadiums were the same for the most part. Honestly, college stadiums were more packed. Um, There were bigger crowds, and uh, so the first time I ran out there were some nerves, but I mean, I had to run out of the tunnel and and played in preseason games and different stuff so many times that it was really the same for me. I had to perform, you know, at my very best every time, and that really was my focus. So um, I wasn't really able to take in all the jubilee and all the, you know, all the great stuff that comes with it until kind of afterwards. It's just too nervous. I had to make sure that I kept up with all my assignments. And uh, so, yeah. Hopefully that answers you guys' question.
0: Dawson, you got any questions? Yeah.
4: So, like, what was the game every year that you guys circled on the schedule that was, you know, different atmosphere than, say, your regular Steelers game day, you know, against, like, the Browns or, you know, one of those key rivals that come
2: to town? Okay. Um, I think we've all – especially fans of football, I understand that the Steelers-Ravens – um, matchup has become one of the marquee matchups over the last 20 years or so and I was I felt like I was involved right in the meat of that because in that span of time um we won a super bowl um Baltimore had guys held over from their first super bowl they won I think in maybe 2003 and then they won again in toward the 2012 season I believe and so um that was when both defenses were like the number 1 and number 2 defenses in the in the whole NFL so that rivalry in itself was kind of like into the Michigan Ohio State or something of that nature where that week you knew it was it was all about business and you understood that it was going to be a really physical game you know and you you better bring it and it was going to be a heavy hitting game uh, and that was that was it Baltimore Pittsburgh was it, those two games on a regular season. And then we even ended up playing them in the playoffs, um, that 08 season. So that was the, the rivalry when I was there.
3: Go ahead, Hunter. So you were mentioning, mentioning rivalries. Um, see, I've been to plenty of Michigan games, but I went to my first Michigan-Ohio State game, and it just felt like a completely different atmosphere. Whole, whole lot of chirping going on before the game. What is that like on, uh, on the game?
2: Uh, the game is, is what you see. Um, the the added stuff is even coming into the game, riding in the, the horseshoe. I mean, you have three-year-olds giving you the middle finger. It's a, uh, it's a totally crazy atmosphere. The game itself is, is what we prepare for all year. Literally you have, a clock that that's up in the weight room that kind of that, that kind of ticks down to that rivalry in that game. So that uh that, those games were you know some of the most memorable that I've had in college. I don't forget any of those games, and even one of them I got concussed. So um, I won't forget that. The bus ride ride home from Columbus was crazy, um, but uh, that that game and you know that whole just the programs, just how, you know, prestigious they both have been. Um, obviously, Ohio State has gotten the best of us over the last several years, unfortunately, but uh, there's no other rivalry in sports like that between those two universities.
1: I don't even know, when you um, when you played Ohio State, did you ever have a win against them? Um,
2: uh, 2003, yes, we beat them at, we beat them. Um, in Ann Arbor um, pretty handily too. Um, so 2003, but both in 2004 and 2005 we lost. Gotcha. Yeah, we lost yeah, we lost on the last the last minute in 05. And I gave up a play late in the game. Um, to this day, I'm still ups- upset with myself because the guy ran out of bounds. And the ref threw his hat down denoting him being out of bounds, but let him come back in and catch the ball and pick the hat up later. So I still have nightmares about that.
0: Well, I want to thank Mr. Mason for taking the time to answer some of our questions. Um, You're more than welcome to stay on. You can leave whatever works best for you. But I want to move um, into some – current more current not I shouldn't say current but more um 2020 type of football I want to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers see see what I did there going from the <laughs> eight Steelers to the 2020 Steelers I thought that was pretty good anyway um eight and0 first time in franchise history this weekend they're playing without Big Ben what do you think it's going to take for them to be able to pull out a win and not have their workhorse in ben Roethlisberger?
2: I think uh, we got to see what that looked like last year. Um, Coach Tomlin does a masterful job with getting those guys prepared, uh, and I mean they went eight and eight, I believe, last year without Ben. Um, and you can see what's happening. A lot of teams, i.e. the Dallas Cowboys, different teams that don't have their starting quarterbacks, and they pretty much don't even have an opportunity to win. So uh, the stillers being who they are, I expect it to be a close game, and. Um, if Ben if Ben was to play, obviously they'd be favored. with him out without him playing, they'll still have a chance. So yeah, you know, we'll
1: I w- I was. Uh, I was also gonna say like how last year, um, it's it's like the same thing as last year. Really good defense, and then the only difference is missing the key part in their QB. But uh, they're playing the Bengals, right? Uh, yes. So the Bengals, they've been looking better, but I think the uh, Pittsburgh defense will hold them under 20 points. And even without Big Ben, uh, Pittsburgh can put up upwards of 20. So that's my prediction.
3: Yeah, I think also the running game is pretty good. They can trust James Conner with running the football pretty well. Uh, he's, he's been averaging about over over around like 80 yards a carry or per game. Um, so I think if they rely on the running game more and just a hard-hitting defense, they'll knock off the Bengals.
0: Yeah, um, I agree with what everyone says. I feel like I feel like that game's going to be a little bit closer without Big Ben playing than it would have been with Ruffler bigger playing. Um, Joe Burrow's been playing out of his mind. He's my pick for the offensive rookie of the year. Um. So that's going to just be a phenomenal game. Now there's one more game I want to bring up. It's the Miami Dolphins against the LA Chargers. Tua, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name, against Justin Herbert, the number four and number five picks of the draft. Who do you think gets the best in that matchup?
1: I'm thinking Chargers. Uh, Justin Herbert's looked like the best rookie, in my opinion, all season, ever since he got his um, shot. And I feel like he has more weapons around him than Tua has around him and I think he's a better player so I think they will come out on top. Remember how Justin Herbert got his shot it was a Tyrod Taylor he was he was supposed to
0: get that shot and it went wrong and then ever since then we just saw what I believed what Herbert was at Oregon where he's making timely throws he knows how to run an offense but the Dolphins are five and three. They're the number eight team in the AFC right now. They're in the second team in the AFC East behind the Buffalo Bills, who they lost to at home and play in Buffalo in January week 17. I just see Tua keeping up what he's doing. I see the Dolphins edging that one out.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry. My, my phone cut out a little bit, but – um. Going back to it, I really like what I've, I've seen out of the Dolphins. Uh, obviously, the Chargers have had some close games and some losses, but uh, Tua, you know, Tua has inserted himself, and in the second game, you could see he was a lot more comfortable. Um, that is that game in L.A. or in Miami? I can check, but I mean, like
0: the home field advantage really isn't a thing. It's just the means of travel. That game, not the MLB, NFL. That game will be in Miami. It's a four hundred five start in Miami. I think he froze. Sorry for the. Te- Sorry for the technical difficulties. You know, with um twenty twenty having to do everything over Zoom, it's not <laughs> picture perfect. We try. We try and do the best we were. So this game is in Miami, though.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I don't know. I. I, I obviously, the Chargers have uh, had some impressive offensive performances, but uh, we'll have to see. I think um, my Chargers do have a better roster, but uh, Miami has been playing really well with a lot of confidence. So, I think I'm leaning towards the Dolphins this weekend.
3: I would have to agree on that. Uh, the the Chargers have been like two weeks straight where it came down to the final plays where they just couldn't couldn't execute, and I think Miami's just rolling, starting to build a team now, especially with Tua in at quarterback. He's playing he's playing pretty well. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to go with the Dolphins there.
4: Not so fast. I think the Chargers <laughs> are
3: pull this one
4: off. Yes, it's in Miami, but they travel good, and when they roll into Miami, they're just they're gonna give Tua a, a good challenge you know a lot of teams they've played you know i give them credit against kyler murray and the in the cardinals but i seriously think the chargers are just a different breed of team they pushed the chiefs almost to the edge and they've pushed the
0: saints almost to the edge
4: yeah they yes. took,
0: they took the saints to overtime on monday night it's yeah that's gonna what
4: be, that. it's going to be a it's going to be it. who will play better defense is going to be the key to this game, and I got the Chargers.
0: I know we've talked about this before in a previous episode. I just kind of want to bring it up again. We're officially over halfway through the season. Who do you think is going to win the MVP for this year?
2: Who's it first?
0: Anyone can go. Okay. I mean, I, I think it's
1: between Russell and Mahomes, top two, but uh, I really don't even know. I think it's a toss-up. Whoever whoever executes better in the second half of the season will end up winning it.
3: Last week was not Russ was not cooking. Last week he threw two interceptions and just seeing Mahomes play, Mahomes was playing out of his mind, and he he has been for the past few weeks. I mean, the Bills defense just really shut down Russell. And even though he got a few touchdown passes with DK Metcalf, including them, uh, I think right now it's going to be Pat Mahomes.
4: You know, After. I agree with you guys, but you got to gotta have Aaron Rodgers up in the talk. You know, he's coming off a bad year last year. He's playing better than ever this year. You know, he's getting up in age and playing like that. You know, rebound year like that is unbelievable. And, you know, I'm just putting Aaron Rodgers in the talk. But, you know, you don't really notice him much in the NFC. But he's up there, too.
2: Okay. well, I, Well, obviously, you guys have. Hit on all the front runners. I want to throw my guy Derrick Henry out there just because running backs don't get love anymore, and he's having an amazing season. Um, I think he has almost 900 yards already this season, uh, rushing and maybe eight touchdowns on the ground. Uh, so he's on track for a he's on track for a 17, 1800 yard season, which you know hardly ever happens nowadays with this new with the way they play in the NFL. Um, with, you know, most of the guys being heavy pass catchers, the fact that they throw the ball so much. So uh, I think you guys are right. If I had to rank them right now, I would go Mahomes, Rogers, uh, Wilson, and then Derrick Henry after that.
1: Yeah, the, the MVP, though, it is uh, traditionally a QB award. You don't see running backs win it. Um, maybe the offensive player of the year could go to Henry. Mm-hmm. But, yes. uh that's the thing with MVP. It's always QBs
2: usually. Yeah. Y'all, y'all are tripping. A number of years.
3: For the running backs, I really think it's Derrick Henry versus Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I mean, Dalvin Cook. Yeah,
2: Dalvin Cook has been playing, yeah. been playing yeah, the last Dalvin. two weeks. Yeah, for sure. I was waiting I, for one of you to say the guy I
0: think in mind. Yes, Dalvin. he's not a front runner. He's not a front runner. But let's look at the stats he put up against Seattle. Three touchdowns, 415 yards passing. No interceptions. Josh Allen. He completed a bunch of his passes. I think he only had like – I think he had less than 10 incomplete passes. I know I might be a little bit biased, but I'm going with my man Josh Allen. He's been playing out of his mind. The way he improved from last year to this year, yeah, he had a 16-point 16 lead, 16 lead against the Texans in the wild card. The defense blew it. But the way he's improved from last year to this year has been tremendous. I think you got to add him back into the conversation the way he played against Seattle last weekend.
1: Yeah, I can see that for sure. Does the NFL have a comeback player of the year like the NBA? Yes, I think they might. I could see him winning that. Him and Rodgers are up there. Alex Smith.
2: Yeah, Alex Smith plays. He's the feel yeah, good story for sure. I sure. But um, I would agree with Josh Allen. The only issue or pushback I would give you with that is he only averaged what everybody averages is against Seattle's defense. Their defense gives up 40 points every week and 400 yards every week to, to a number of quarterbacks. So uh, he had a, an outstanding game, but I think Seattle's defense is maybe the worst or second worst in all the NFL. So I want to I want to take
0: one more player for offensive player of the year. I'm staying in Buffalo. I'm going with my man, Stephon Diggs, traded from the Minnesota Vikings for a fourth-round pick. Fourth-round pick. He's leading the NFL in receptions and receiving yards, and he's top five in receiving touchdowns. I will say Allen's found his favorite receiver. I'm excited to see what those two can do for years to
1: come. I love Stephon Diggs, but no way he's winning. Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, got him on my fantasy team. He was a steal for a fourth-round yes. pick. But, I, I mean, there's just – there's so many other guys that that award could go to, and he's not even the best receiver in the league, so. With um, that being said, let's move over
0: to college football. I kind of want to address the elephant in the room. Those Clemson Tigers, they lost to Notre Dame. They had to stage a com- incredible – second-point comeback or second-half comeback against Boston College a few weeks ago, is that showing how incredibly good Trevor Lawrence is, him being out the last couple weeks due to COVID-19? Or is that showing how average the Tigers are without him?
2: I guess guess I'll I'll, I'll, I'll cut in. Just briefly, I would say that Clemson is still a tremendous program. Notre Dame is really good this year and um, the fact that they lost to Notre Dame I wouldn't take that uh, I wouldn't take that as a bad thing considering they had you know they were missing the number one player in all of college football.
4: Yeah you know I watched the game and you know Trevor Lawrence is great top you know he's probably up there for the Heisman this year but you know When you got a quarterback like that, you got to have someone in second in line that's just as good. Clemson, you know, he was pretty good. You know, Clemson's not a team where you got a crappy quarterback, you know, as a backup. They got got tools. They got good players around good players. And they didn't have a short stick for that game, you know. Notre Dame was good. You know, everybody really doubts Notre Dame because, you know, they're independent. They don't really play in any – conference you know big name teams but this year in the acc they've really turned it around wow notre dame is uh you know actual contender you know they're beating everybody and you know now they knock off clemson you know notre dame this year might be the real deal you know it took a couple years but you know kelly's doing a really good job with that team and you know knocking off clemson at home in south bend without trevor warren Yeah. People are going to say that, but there's other, you know, there's, there's other, they got good quarterbacks, you know, it's not just Trevor Lawrence. There's other people around that do just as much.
1: Yeah. Like you were saying, um, their backup five-star DJ, he's, he's no scrub by any means. He, he put them in a chance to win the game multiple times. It's not like he was playing bad against Notre Dame. Um, but it is – is Notre Dame a contender this year? I feel like they're always, like, looked past. They always, like, lose one game to, like, just, like, some nobody. And it's, like, yeah, it's, like, the normal Notre Dame, always losing big games. But this year it might be a little different. We don't
0: know. Yeah, um, I feel like Notre Dame down the stretch is going to be one of the top teams to keep an eye out with, Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama. Um, There's one more thing I want to bring up. There's one more thing I want to bring up. It's the Michigan-Michigan State game.
4: Um, this Before you move on, I want to say something. Notre Dame has one more top ten matchup before they close out the season, and that's against North Carolina. So that might be a key game for Notre Dame if they want to pave their way into the ACC championship and the college football playoff.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's going to be an important game. But moving on from Clemson to the Michigan-Michigan State game a couple of Saturdays ago. In Ann Arbor, everyone had Michigan winning by double-digit points. What do you think just went wrong for that Michigan team in that game?
1: I would say, so going into the game, it was like, we're going to win by 21. When I say we, I mean Michigan. And that's because we blew out Minnesota. Minnesota is so good. But the night before, when we saw Minnesota lose, it was like, is Michigan really that good? And then their secondary just broke down. You had Lombardi looking like Trevor Lawrence. Like it was, it was just bad all around. Um, and I think the coaching staff will be changed by the end of the season. You think this
0: is the end of the line for Harbaugh? Um, him or, or Don Brown?
1: Satan. I think I think one of them. Don Brown
3: Um, has to go. Yeah. After that, Don Brown has to go. I'll give Harbaugh one more year, um, give him one more chance, put him on the hot seat. They're going to get blown out by Ohio State. I mean, if you're putting these freshman cornerbacks, they're very young, like especially the offensive line too, but if you're putting these freshman cornerbacks against these Ohio State receivers like Chris Olave, they they are just going to tear these guys apart. Don Brown has to lay off, play zone. You can't be putting so much pressure against these Showing pressure against these uh, wide receivers, though. They're just going to burn you. Yeah. Yeah. A
4: lot of, you know, the thing about Michigan is Harbaugh's been there for five years.
3: You know, Savior,
4: praise him when he came in. I haven't seen one significant change that's really put this team in a really good top 10 legit team. They're not on that level like Ohio State, the Clemsons, the Alabama's, like they said they were. You know, they got to put as much effort into their team, they need to work those guys, put them in situations to get them used to the game and then throw them out there for, they look like they're ready to play Milton. Yeah. It's his first year. He's been there for two years. He should be ready for that moment to get out there and actually have like an idea, you know, I get it. He's under throwing stuff left and right. That needs to be fixed. You know, they need to work on that and they need to, address those issues. They address them too late. And if they don't get addressed, Michigan will be in deep trouble.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like Michigan – I'm not trying to criticize Michigan. They deserve everything they got against Minnesota, but they've lost to a state and they've lost to Indiana two weeks in a row. I just don't see what Michigan – I just don't see the hype around Michigan. But hats off to Coach Tucker for paying together – a game plan that worked for this state offense. And he got some players in that you wouldn't see every day. Well, um, that's about it for time. Thank you for tuning in to episode four. Thank you to Mr. Mason for joining us.
2: No problem. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Anytime you need me, give me a ring, okay?
0: Okay. Thank you. Um, Anything you guys want to say? No, I think I said that was good. Thank you for listening to episode four of Cheap Seats, the one and only sports podcast that we
1: produce. Um, That's all I got to say. See you guys next episode.